Welcome to another episode of Marketing, Management, and Money. This is your host, Ethan Migliori. And I'm your host, Ryan Murray. Today, we have kind of an interesting topic that we want to talk about, which is uh, in business, we have beliefs, sometimes limiting beliefs, but also we want to make sure that you're not limiting yourself, but also being realistic at the same time. Mm. So this is going to be interesting, yeah. kind of a fun topic um, as we debated doing some of this, my mind just flooded with stuff. So <laughs> I don't know where this episode's going to go today. So you might have to mute a lot of things and cut a lot of things out. Sorry, no, no, Ryan. No, 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 no. We're, we're just going straight through. No edits on this. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Do you have anywhere you want to start? Do you want me to kick something off? Uh, well, your mind was the one that was flooded. So uh, I'm, let's, let's open the floodgates and see what happens. Okay. So I'm going to start with one of my favorite quotes that, uh, and as you know, you've been in my office. I don't have very many quotes on my wall, but I have one that I fell in love with years ago from Thomas Jefferson. Okay. He said, I'm a great believer of luck and I find the harder I work, the more of it I have. So that's kind of the, for me, where I want to go with this episode today. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. That, that uh, it's very important to stay optimistic and to have expectations as we go through business. But the reality of it is we've got to have a checks and balance in what we do as well. Mm-hmm. The data has to be there as well to, to help us drive those decisions. So I, I love that you talked about work. Um, and, and this is how I'm interpreting that quote, right? Is there's a lot of ideas out there. But an idea is nothing without the work behind it. And, you know, when I see entrepreneurs um, that think big and get a little bit too caught up in this idea that it's like, you just got to believe, you just got to, you know, believe that it's going to happen. And, you, you, you know, you, you're going to you're going to manifest your your own thoughts. And I'm like, all of that is true when it's mixed with work, because if it's not, it's daydreaming. And, you know, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I daydreamed about being a superhero and, uh, you know, I, I am not a superhero today. (laughs) (laughs) And, and if it just required positive, there was so much positive thinking as a child that, uh, you know, I, I should be a superhero today based on that philosophy alone, that all you have to do is think about it. I should be able to fly and lift buildings and, uh, you know, I mean, all sorts of cool things didn't happen. <laughs> uh, you didn't think hard enough, Ryan. That's- oh, <laughs> that was my mistake. <laughs> so let's put some backbone behind this one so that our listeners understand as we go down this one, because... You know, I don't, I don't want to go down the self-help improvement type guru pathway. I think there's a lot of value to it. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But I want to also make sure we keep everything in perspective because that's becomes critical for a business. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there was a gentleman by the name of uh, Albert Bandura, and he's kind of the guru for positive thinking. So if you want to look him up, he has some great work that you can study to do more things out there. Um, he proved, okay, through all of his studies, this is what's amazing. He proved that positive thinking is critical to the success of an individual. Okay. Okay. He proved it time and time again that, that, that positive thinking was super important. However, he also taught that effort, planning, perseverance, and I like this word that he uses, strategies, okay, are just as important. 
Okay. They go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other if you want to be successful. Okay. Hold on. I want to get some clarification here. I know what you said, but I'm going to make you hone in on this a little bit. You stated that all of those other things are just as important. Now, is that literally like, so you're telling me that positive thinking is strictly an ingredient. It's part of the mix and it's not even necessarily the top ingredient. It's just in the top ingredients. Is, is, am I understanding that correctly? It, it is. And I'll, and I'll share uh, Michigan University, University of Michigan, they did a study that was pretty powerful about entrepreneurs and mm-hmm. the success of entrepreneurs. So if you want to, if you want to look it up as we get going in this one, I'll share the topic and, or the title of it, not the topic, but the title of it. Um, so you can go and look it up and see what it is because it, it was pretty eye opening when I read this one. Uh, it's been a number of years. I had to actually go dig it back up out of all my notes to find it again. Cause I couldn't remember the title, but I knew enough. I could track it back down through some of my stuff, but it, it was amazing to, when they talked about, uh, when we talk about that, that ability to, to think optimistic mm-hmm. and have expectations. Okay. I, and sometimes I like the word expectations. Like we expect, okay, in a, in a business, we, we drive a lot about profit. Okay. So it we're successful if we have profit, but that's only one measure. Mm-hmm. Okay. We need to have the expectations across the board. So, you know, sales should be increasing. Mm-hmm. Okay. If we're successful, generally we should have some employee increases. We're adding new people. We're creating mm-hmm. jobs. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that's a sign of success is market share. Okay. Mm -hmm. Are we expanding our market share and bringing in more clients? So, um, so we need to have good expectations as we go through this one, because if we don't have the expectations, uh, this goes back to some, you know, you've done some episodes on goals and other things in the past. If we don't have those expectations or goals, there's no brain power behind it. We're just, we're, there's nothing driving it. Mm -hmm. Okay. We don't have anything to work for. So that's why I think the first part of this, when he talks about that positive thinking, is highly important because it is what allows us to structure everything behind it. Nice, nice. So I'm going to talk about one of the, uh, and this is kind of my 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 own thing. Um, I've taught a lot of entrepreneurs this because I feel like it puts some of this into perspective, and that is that uh, there's a there's a phenomenon out there that happens a lot, and it drives me crazy. So I'm getting a little bit onto my pet peeve here for a second, but. You'll have people that get lucky in business and then they'll write a book about it and they'll do a speaking tour and all this kind of stuff. And the problem that I have is if you look at gambling and I'm going to use Las Vegas because it's not too far from from where I live. And, you know, so you go to Las Vegas and everyone in Las Vegas talks about how much money they won. Well, if you look at the buildings in Las Vegas, I'm pretty sure that most people there are not winning. You know, there's a lot of people that are losing. Las Vegas is built on the premise that the house wins the slight majority. And if the house can win the slight majority, that's all they need. And then it just becomes a numbers game, right? And so if the house wins the slight majority, there has to be enough where, you know, you and I and the average Joe are going to win to keep it interesting. Because if we feel like we have no chance of winning, then, you know, we're not going to be interested in the game. And so so there's kind of that balance of how much can the house take, but how much does the house have to give in order for you to keep wanting to play and wanting to lose the majority of the time? Well, if you're going to lose the majority of the time, that means the minority of the time you're going to win. 
And so if you're going to win the minority of the time, everyone's going to have a success story. And so the same thing happens in entrepreneurship. It's a numbers game. If enough people go out and launch a business, there will be certain businesses that will be successful, regardless of mistakes made, regardless of poor planning, regardless of you know doing things the wrong way. At some point, you just get lucky. And so the problem is that if you get lucky and you start attributing it to positive thinking, where it's just like, well, you know what, I just... I just never, I never said no. Uh, and <laughs> like, good for you, but yeah, there, there's a number numbers game because at some point there are a lot of people who they also never said no and it caused them to get divorced, it caused them to get bankrupt, uh, you know, it ruined their health. They're just not on stage talking about how miserable their life is because no one wants to hear it. And so, you know, I love that you're bringing out this idea that there is more to it than just positive thinking, but you can't omit the positive thinking. Correct. You you can't go into this with this attitude of like, well, I don't know, maybe. Like that that's not going to get you success, but just having this positive attitude, it, it's like gambling, you know. Sure, some people with only a positive attitude, they're going to get lucky and they might have, you know, a measure of success. That doesn't necessarily mean that they have a success formula. That means that, okay, they got lucky. They got lucky. They won. And, you know, and, and so th- there, there's so much to it that really matters when you start getting into, you know, positive thinking, breaking through limiting beliefs. You know. So I'm wondering in, in some of the research that you did or some of the uh, studies that you did, at what point do how do, how do you recognize a limiting belief versus common sense? Like how, how do you know that you know if 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 I say oh you know I shouldn't you know I shouldn't touch this fire because my hand is going to get burned, but if there's no fire there, there's no heat. I just think it's hot, and so you know I never reach out because I'm afraid, you know, so, so what's, what's the balance between fear? Cause fear protects us, but it also limits us. So there, there is a model out there that kind of goes off of this and there's a number of different stages. So I'll just introduce the stages. We won't go too much into it for sake of time that we live in this comfort zone mm-hmm. and to break out of the comfort zone, we have to go into the fear zone that you just mentioned. Okay. Okay. After the fear zone, we go enter into what's called a learning zone, okay, because we've broke through the fear. We're starting to understand that we're learning and comprehending, and we can actually do this one, so it's a learning zone. And then comes, finally, the growth zone. Mm. So, so you are right when you talk about the fear, because fear is what comes directly after the comfort. So if we're, if we're content where we're at, in order to break out of that, guess what? There has to be fear, uncertainty, okay, mm-hmm. risk when we do that. But you also need to understand that after that comes learning, and that learning allows for the growth. Okay, okay. So what happens when the entrepreneur, and I've seen this, they take too big of a gamble, they take too big of a risk, and they just lose it all. But the whole time, they're just like, you know, you got to push through it. This is how you win. I, like, How do you know if you're if you're entering the fear zone on your way to... <laughs> you know, learning and growth, or if you're entering the fear zone and, you know, like you should have listened to your mom. And 
Uh, let me see if I can answer it with the study was done by the University of Michigan. Okay. So the title of the study is Why Are uh, Optimistic Entrepreneurs Successful? So that's the title for anyone that wants to go look it up. Um, they talk about cognitive strategies. Okay. So the mental strategies of entrepreneurship. And it was really interesting because those strategies either are kind of narrowed down to two things. We have opportunity in business, but we also have risk in business. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so if we're focused on the opportunities, we tend to be promotion focused. Okay. Or promotional. We're, okay. we're, we're okay. doing that one. If we're focused on the risk or the fear of it, we tend to, we tend to make preventative focus or preventative measures. Okay. okay. And we can see that in two different personality types. Salespeople are very optimistic. They're driven by sales. We're going to increase sales. That's how we're going to get out of this hole. We're going to, we're going to increase sales. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, someone who is uh, very conservative in a management role, they're going to say, Ooh, we need to cut costs. We need, we need to figure out how to lower our costs to get through this. Okay. Okay. So you can kind of see the two there as we go through this one. Okay. So, so those would be, there's so many faces that are popping up on both sides. You, you, you know, in the cartoons where you have like the angel on the one shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder, like I've got these two groups that are just popping up and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She's on the conservative side. He's on the sales side, you know? And right. I, so sorry, sorry. I just, no. I just had to interject that as you're talking of like, oh man, this is resonating. Well, what the study boils down to is that those entrepreneurs who are promotional focused, okay, but yet can recognize risks as they present themselves to make adjustments are the ones that are successful. So we're okay. That was pretty powerful. Stated in different terminology, <laughs> just so that we can sink in with what what you're saying here. All right. So an entrepreneur who is optimistic in their endeavors, they believe they can. I can be successful. We can make this work, and we move forward with strategies that are aggressive, um, based off those opportunities that we want to capture. However, we can't ignore the risks. Meaning that when a piece of data comes to the table and says, wait a minute, uh, this may not play out the way that we want. We're smart enough to make a slight adjustment to our focus of optimism in order to make the correct the decision to stay um, aggressive in our behaviors and profitable as a company. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that made more sense. Uh, it resonated with you know different strokes, different folks. I mean, we're... Like right. it, okay. that, all, all I'm going for here is what you stated was super profound, but the thought that went through my mind was this, are our listeners able to recognize when a risk is present? Because it sounded like one of the key elements to this whole success formula is that you've got to be able to recognize and react appropriately to risk, but what's a risk? You know, and so that's that's kind of what I was hoping that that you would, uh, and, and I felt like you did. I felt like you, you know, uh, expanded a little bit on that idea. Uh, that's still something I want to dig into as, as we're going, but I'll, I'll let you kind of keep going with some of your well, thought. So let me let's let's take a tangent from there and let's give the listeners a tool today. Okay. And uh, you'll probably remember this tool when we first came in. This is one of the first tools that came to my mind. I've used it on and off over the years. Mm. Um, there's a gentleman out there by the name of Joel Barker who has what's called an implication will. 
So oh, I'm not okay. going to take any credit for this one. You can go out and search it out online. There's great information on it. They have courses you can go through on it. Um, but the model that I learned from taking that course oh, years ago um, was pretty powerful for me. And so let me just give the basis for the implication will and understanding risks. So the idea behind it is if you look at a decision as a, and we put it inside of a circle, mm-hmm. and this is the decision that we're gonna, going to make. From that decision are outcomes. So we have these spokes that come off that are outcomes. And to keep things simple, we're going to make three positive outcomes and two negative outcomes. We can't have all positive or all negative. We have okay. to have from that decision, bad things can happen and good things can happen. Okay. okay? And they don't have to be equal, but they should be balanced. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now here's where that implication will gets powerful. Guess what? The decision that we're making, that first layer out on this wheel, okay, these spokes that come out with the next um, implications that could happen is not what's going to happen. Okay. So we have to go two, three, four layers out on each one of these wheels and spokes to understand what's going to happen. And with each one, we do positive outcomes and negative outcomes. And over time, as we lay it out more and more, we can actually now see, hey, wait a minute, all these positive things have the same background. So we're all talking about profit that could come from this one. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they outweigh a lot of things. However, what's the most common negative outcome that we're also seeing as we roll these implications out multiple layers? Okay. Those are the risks that we've got to start watching. Mm. So a simple example, and to keep it simple, and and I'm not even going to try to even go into a business um, environment, but my wife sends me to the store to buy some milk. That's okay. Okay. That's the decision. I'm going to go to the store and buy. What are some outcomes that can come to that? Well, I could just go to the store and buy the milk and come back home. I can also go to the store, buy some milk, see the Oreos and purchase additional Oreos. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I can also go to the store. Hey, wait a minute. I only have half a tank of gas. I don't really need gas, but I'm going to buy gas while I'm out. So I go to the store, get the milk. I buy some gas. Right. Okay. However, when I go to the store to buy the milk, it could be out of milk and I'll have to go to another store to do that. Okay. Now let's, now let's go back to the Oreos. Okay. We're going to look at just that one decision from that, the, the event that transpires, I go to the store and I buy the additional Oreos. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, when I buy the additional Oreos, guess what? What if I have high cholesterol? Okay. Wait a minute. Eating some bunch of Oreos is not going to be good for a decision and it's going to have other impacts in my life. So now we're rolling that out another one, but it also could be another decision. Wait a minute. What if I only had enough money for just the milk and so I go over budget buying the Oreos. That puts me in a bad position as a business because mm-hmm. I've overspent. Okay. So that's what the implication wheel is doing is helping us understand problems and or benefits that are coming with each decision as we roll it out. And so for listeners that are highly interested in it, I'm really going to just reference you to Joel Barker, implication wheel. There's some great stuff online. There's courses you can take. Um, it's a very powerful tool for helping you recognize um, not only the risks, but also which one of those scenarios on a benefit side are more prevalent that is most likely going to happen as well. And for the listeners out there who are looking for an excuse to tell their wife that they can't go to the store, this can help them justify (laughs) that and be like, you know, I'm going to die of heart failure if you send me to the store to get milk because, you know, I'll buy the Oreos, I'll eat the, no. Uh, (laughs) So, Another way that I like to look at risk, and I wish that more entrepreneurs would do this, is understanding the risk versus reward relationship. And very simply put, 
uh, in entrepreneurship, your decisions, they, they kind of go on a linear curve. Um, and as your risks increase, the reward should also increase. And so if I'm going to, uh, you know, like hire a new employee, so I'm risking the cost of that employee. So let's say that I'm going to pay that employee $50,000 in an annual salary, plus all of the training costs, plus all of the you know benefits that I provide. So I'm going to I'm going to estimate this to be an $80,000 you know investment in my company. And so I'm looking at it and I'm saying the reward should be that this employee should generate greater than $80,000 of value for me to want to make this decision. Well, if I'm getting ready to invest $3 million into a startup, then the risk is significantly higher than that $80,000 investment. And so I would expect that the reward would not only be matching that $3 million, but it should match it at a much greater level. And so, you know, I should expect to see a $10 million return because to invest $3 million has a lot of risk implications. You know, that implication wheel concept that you're talking yes. about. And so I'm looking at this and I'm saying, yeah, when, when we start getting into optimistic thinking and being, you know, like some entrepreneurs get so heavy on the reward side of, oh my goodness, we could, we could get more market share and look at all these new products that we could launch and look at it, you know, and they, they get kind of excited. And you have to have that excitement because you can't get through the drudgery without it. But if you get overly excited, if you're only looking at the upside reward potential, you're not realizing that as that reward is increasing, so is the risk. You know, the risk of your time, your money, your expertise, your social status. You know, you're risking a lot of things to try and make this happen. And you brought up a good point, and that is when we go down the road to look at that decision, um, data is a critical piece to that. Mm -hmm. You know, when you talk about market share, you know, understanding the risk, hey, I think there's a market share out there. If I do it just based off of that, I'm in trouble. If I have good data that says, hey, here's the market, this is how big that market is, now I can balance that optimism with realism. Mm -hmm. And and that's where you, you find that you're the most successful because the expectations are things that you can actually achieve. So how does an entrepreneur develop the skill of identifying risk? And I'm sort of asking this rhetorically because I've actually helped a lot of entrepreneurs identify risk. That's one of the things that I would do when I would consult with them. But I kind of want to throw that out there as, as a question of – because we're talking about the whole key here is to say you've got to have a healthy dose of optimism balanced with a uh, realistic approach to mitigating or managing risk – uh, and, and I'm going to say, okay, your first step there is you got to identify those risks and you got to correctly identify those risks. And that's kind of the, the point. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go on a rant for just a second. Please do. Please do. <laughs> but I, I've worked with people that start identifying risks that just don't matter. You know, using your grocery store example of going and getting Oreos, is there a, a risk that you're going to get hit by a semi? Yes. Yes. It's there. Is it worth factoring in? No. No. And we can see that when it's something like going to the grocery store because we're used to that. But in business, a lot of times I will see entrepreneurs, they, they focus on the wrong risks. Like, for example, you know, in hiring a new employee, 
a lot of times businesses will look at the employee's resume and they'll only factor in the risk of, okay, will this employee be able to do the job that I want them to do? Do they have the right skill set, et cetera, et cetera? Those are all secondary. There is one primary risk when you hire an employee. There is a primary risk that should be factored in above all of those things. And I rarely see entrepreneurs do this. And that is the risk of that employee, especially in a small business, is going to change your culture. And you got to look at, are they going to improve your culture or are they going to, uh, you know, kind of downgrade your culture in a way you don't want it to go? I've seen more issues with hiring of the culture changing, not qualified people, you know, like getting qualified people is easy. Getting people that move the culture in the right direction is actually very difficult to do. And so, you know, to me, that's the real risk. Uh, But businesses are focusing on the perceived risk of, oh, can they do the skill set? So this is where I'm going to chime in just a little bit and talk about risk. So I think there's a couple factors that identify whether um, someone is able to recognize risks. Mm-hmm. One is uh, their business acumen or education. Okay, okay. Had, had, do they do they have enough experience and understanding uh, good marketing principles, good accounting principles, uh, good investment principles? Market data, is it legitimate? Okay, so having a good education to do it, which also comes from the second one, experience. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, I rarely run into someone who's been in business for a year who actually has good experience and it makes good decisions when it comes to risk. Mm. They just, they're too young in the business and the industry to re- always recognize them. Okay, so education, experience, and then the last one when it comes to understanding risk is then how to weigh it against something else. Mm. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's good. Because a lot of times, we, if we don't have a comparison, is it a risk or is it not? Mm-hmm. So we have to learn to make sure that we, we have something to weigh or gauge it against to understand its impact um, as we move forward. Yeah. Oh, man, that is so good. So... <sighs> As is always the case, there's so much more to discuss, but for the sake of time, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode. What I, what I would like to ask is, can you kind of take some of you know, the studies that, that you've researched for this episode, uh, your personal experience in dealing with the, uh, you know, the balance of you know, breaking through limiting beliefs uh, versus you know, staying grounded in reality, and kind of give us give us a little bit of the takeaway. What uh, you know? Wh- what are some action steps, some takeaways that our listeners can have when trying to to figure this one out? Well, the first one is very clear that you have to have a positive attitude and perspective as you go in, down this road of business and entrepreneurism. Mm. You you have to. It, that is a critical piece. Okay. Okay. W- without that one, uh, you'll be out of business before you even started. Because the first tough thing that comes along, guess what? Oh, you're right. I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Okay. You, you're not going to fight your way through it. That that persistence and other things that um, Mr. Bandura talks about uh, just get destroyed. Mm-hmm. Okay. So attitude. Okay. The second one is understanding, I think, what our experience in education is. Okay. And if we think we lack a little bit, then let's go find some trainings 
Let's go do some of our own research to, to raise our levels in those areas that we maybe don't understand or are uncomfortable with in a business. Mm. Because, because we can't go into it blind. We, we need to make sure that we are educating ourselves and bettering ourselves as we go down it. Okay. Okay. And then the third one, uh, I would probably tie it back into the very end, and that is uh, making sure that we have good data that we're falling back on to when we make those decisions so that it's not just an emotion, you know, tied to that person, the attitude, it, it can't just be the attitude, their emotion that's trying to drive it. We need to have other factors that help us codify why we're making those decisions to move down this road. Okay. And as just a reminder, our last episode was all about data. And so, you know, if you're kind of wondering where to start with the data now, obviously there's, there are multiple sources of data, but the last episode really went into depth on some valuable sources of data. There's been a lot. It's Uh, been good. I've loved it. So this is a great topic. Yeah. In fact, I'm thinking that uh, we'll we'll probably end up doing some follow up on this because there's there's still some content out there. uh, You know, with the risk and reward, Uh, we didn't get into breaking through limiting beliefs. And, uh, you know, I, I think I'd, I'd like to touch on that because we talked about you've got to be optimistic, but we didn't talk about what happens when you plateau. How do you break through that? So I'm, I'm definitely seeing a follow-up episode on yes. this one, uh, but uh, great insight. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it. If you have any comments or thoughts, uh, you can hit us up. It's marketingmanagementmoney.com, and we will catch you next time. Hope you have a great day. Take control of your business today. Go to learndesk.us and search marketing management and money for the small business insights you've always wanted. Be sure to stay tuned for new episodes on the first and third Wednesdays of every month and make sure to subscribe to be notified when we release bonus content such as interviews and short discussions.